Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Seven ways to share your faith in Jesus. Seven ways to share your faith in Jesus. The first one I want you to write down is this, that we need to connect with others on their level. So this is very application-based, all right? So uh, the, the heart of evangelism or the heart of pointing people to Jesus or sharing your faith in Christ, and, and then, of course, the Holy Spirit, those were in-depth teachings about this. But today is just the application. How do you actually share your faith in Jesus. And the first one is you got to connect people, connect with people on the level that they're at. And, and I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 20. We're going to read um, a few verses here. And this is going to help out a lot as we set this foundation. It says, when I was with the Jews, this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, the, the apostle Paul, he says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. And when I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under law. Now, this is, if, if this is hard for you to understand, if you don't know the Bible very much or what we're talking about in the law, just hang in there. I'm going to get to it in just a second. He says, when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God in fact, I actually obey the law of Christ. Now watch this. He goes even more. And when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. And, and, and he does it for a reason. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I'm doing every single thing that I can to save some. I'm finding common ground. I'm connecting with them on the level that they are. So he's saying this. He's saying, I, when I'm with very religious people, I connect with them on that level. And I'm, when, when I'm with people who are outside of the faith, I connect with them on that level. And when I'm with people who are just very weak in general, I just connect with them on that level, I find common ground. I find common ground, and I, I adjust. I don't expect them to, just, to adjust to who I am. I actually adjust to who they are. I adjust to who they are. So let me explain this to you as we set the foundation for this. The, the, first, the first thing I want to say about this is, is that, that we, we are to embrace the sinner, not necessarily the sin. In fact, no, don't embrace the sin. So we embrace the sinner without embracing the sin. So in order to connect with people, it doesn't mean that you talk the way they talk or do the things that they do or act the way that they act. That's not what we're saying. That's not what the Apostle Paul is saying. In fact, he, he goes out of his way to say, hey, by the way, I'm still obedient to the Christ, even when I'm with the religious people or the non-religious people or the very weak people, I'm still faithful to Christ. I still live out my Christianity, but I've learned to adapt. I've, I've learned to find common ground. I've learned to, to, to connect with people on their level. You can say it like this, that, 
He didn't change who he was in Christ. And in fact, I would encourage you, don't change who you are in Christ, but adapt to who they are. You adapt to who they are without Christ. Let, 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 me, let me say it like this. I can barely sit still with this topic because I'm so passionate about it, everybody. I just love this. That, that no matter who I'm with, if I'm sharing Jesus with people, and this is something that comes very naturally for me. I, I shouldn't say it's supernatural, but it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And, and I find it easy to do. I, I know a lot of you people, a, a lot of you don't find this easy to do, to go out and reach people. But the first thing you have to do is you find common ground. You connect with them at their level. So what level are they at? Who are they? Will you find common ground? So, so for instance, this is so interesting that this very morning, this very morning, I got a, I got a text from a friend of mine who's not a Christian. In, in fact, he hunts property that is next to the, the property that I hunt. And we've just become friends over the last couple of years. And he, he, he was talking to me and like, hey, you're probably not going to see me. Um, you know, I'm thinking about selling my property. And, and um, uh, you know, a lot of people just say, well, okay, that's fine. Well, I went past that and I said, hey, what are you going through, though? But there's obviously a reason. I know you because nothing would keep you out of the woods. I know you. So there's got to be a reason. Yeah, actually, there is a reason. I'm, I'm having some... It, difficulties. I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. I'm, I'm having to retire from work early because of back problems that I'm having. And we'll see when I, when I met this gentleman, um, he and I don't have much in common. He, he's, he's very much the opposite of a pastor. <laughs> I'll say it like that. He doesn't try to win people to Christ. He actually tries to win people to alcohol and to, just to, it's a lot of things that are not really great. And so what did I do? Well, I don't just disregard the friendship because we don't have much in common. I just find the thing that we do have in common and I take advantage of that. So he was passionate about the outdoors. Well, guess what I'm passionate about? I love the outdoors. I'm more passionate about Jesus though. And so I find that common ground. I meet him on that common ground. And he would, as, as I get to know him, he would do this thing because he would let his words fly all the time, just let these words fly. And then he would look at me and say, ah, sorry, reverend. And the only time that he ever called me reverend was when he was using naughty words. And, and, and I would have to tell him, hey, don't, listen, brother, just be yourself. Like, you, you don't have to apologize for that. Why do, why do Christians expect non-Christians to act like they're Christians? I used to have to teach my kids that. My kids would come home. They're like, oh, so-and-so, did you hear that? They said that. Like, hey, don't be surprised when non-Christians fail to act like Christians. Like, why would we expect anything different? And I just kept telling him, hey, just be yourself. Just be yourself. You don't have to impress me. Well, the more, the more that I said that just to be himself, he realized he could just be himself. Because I, I know something that he doesn't know. I don't have the power to change him. And I want him to be who he is with me. And, and so... It doesn't mean I change who I am to connect with him. I embrace the sinner without embracing the sin. I embrace the sinner without embracing the sin. And, and even this morning, in fact, I've told him this lots of times. Hey, hey listen, I know, that, I, I know that you're not a Christian, but I'm your pastor. And I'll always be your pastor. And I'll, I'll just always be your friend. 
Like whatever you're going through, you know that you can tell me and that I'll be there for you. And, and I don't do that just as a pastor. I do that just because I'm a Christian who's passionate about people. Now, I, I get to use those words that you don't get to use because of, of, of my calling, my specific calling. But can I tell you something? Could, could you just be friends with people who don't know Jesus? In fact, it's called relational evangelism. That's what it's called. Lifestyle evangelism. God never, yeah, we are set apart from the world. We are. We're different from the world. We're going to think differently. We're going to talk differently. We're certainly going to act differently as followers of Christ. But can I tell you something? We still live in this world and we're called to to reach the very people that you often find easy to avoid. Well, I don't like them because of their bad language. All the more reason you need to hang out with them. Why? To point them to Jesus. How can you point somebody to Jesus if you're avoiding them? Don't avoid them. Love them, serve them, care for them, but don't join them in the sin. Don't join them in the lifestyle, but don't reject them just because they don't act like a Christian when they're not. Come on, everybody. We're called to make a difference in the lives of people and we got to get into their life. We have to know them and build relationships with them. See, see, winning somebody to Jesus, pointing somebody to Jesus, it, it sometimes, it, it, it takes a lot of time oftentimes to do that. And what I mean by that is, I've, I've never known one person to, to come up at a, at a stoplight and see a little fish on the back of the car in front of them. You know what I'm talking about? The little bumper fish. And then sometimes we get a little cheeky and it's like, sometimes it's this, the, the, you know, an atheist might put on there, there's this little critter that's eating the fish. And then we have like little fish that's, that's as Darwin is in the middle of it. And they get all like back and forth. Can I tell you something? I've never known a person at a stoplight to see a little fish emblem on the back of the car and say to themselves, oh, you know what? It's obvious that Jesus is the savior of the world. And I'm a, I'm a sinner separated from God by my sin, and I need to confess my sins and give my life to Jesus. Did you know I've never met somebody who accepted Christ because you have a little fish emblem on the back of your car? And I'm not against the emblems. I don't care. Like, if you have that, great. But can I tell you, if that's your method of evangelism, if that's your method of pointing people to Jesus, it's not working. It's not working, and it's not going to work. When was the last time you wore a Christian shirt, a Christian shirt, and somebody just stopped you and said, "You know what? I've just, I've just now come to my senses. I realize I'm a sinner and, and I'm separated from God because of my sin. And the only way I need, the, the only way I can can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ, the Son. And I believe in Jesus and I believe in the cross and I believe in the resurrection. And can we just stop right now? I want you to pray for me because I want to give my life to Jesus today. Has that ever happened to you when you wore a Christian shirt?" And I'm not against Christian shirts. In fact, I, I probably have one or two of them. I'm not, I'm not against them. But if that's your method of evangelism, something has to change. Something has to change. And what it, what it takes is we have to build relationships with people who are lost. And it's going to cost you some time. And it's probably going to cost you some, some money sometimes. Because all of a sudden you're going to say, hey, you know what? I'd really like to take you out to dinner. Or, hey, why don't you come to church with me? I'll take you out to lunch after it's over with my treat. Hey, I'm going to treat you today. You, you just, 
You're just investing in people. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you money. But that's what relationships are all about. Confrontational evangelism, confrontationally pointing people to Jesus, where you just go up to somebody and say, hey, are you going to make it to heaven? Yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Well, actually, let me tell you about this. Have you ever lied? Yeah. Have you ever cheated? Yeah. Have you ever stolen something? Yeah. So why would God allow a a liar, a cheater, and a thief into his presence? Oh, I don't know. Can I tell you, there, there are some people called by God to confront others like that. But by and large, that method doesn't work very well for you and me. See, I'm not talking about confrontational evangelism. I'm not talking about confronting people in their sin and saying, hey, listen, why would God accept you? Because you're a sinner. That doesn't work most of the time. Relationships work. Building friendships. I I have so many people right now that are on my list of people that I'm trying to win for Jesus. I got them all through town. I got them all through town. They're everywhere. And every time I see them, I'm wondering, what can I do? Just to point him to Jesus one more time. What can I do to point him to the king of kings, the savior of their soul, the only savior of the world? What can I do? I'm thinking about it all the time. And so what I do is I build relationships with people. I connect with them on their level. I connect with them on their level, which is what Paul is talking about. Like, hey, if if I'm around religious people, that's okay. If I'm around non-religious people, that's okay. If I'm around somebody who has a severe weakness in their life, that's okay. I'm going to connect with them wherever they're at. And we need to stop expecting non-Christians to act like Christians. And we need to stop this idea of, well, I'm just going to avoid them. No, what you need to do is be strong in the faith and love them and serve them and care for them even in their sin. Don't reject them. Show them the love of Jesus. Live it. Be there for them. I got this really, Pastor, you, you, I got this turkey at work. That I, I'm telling you, this guy, oh, I just want to punch him. Okay, but then you find out, he comes to work one day, hey, I'm moving to, to a different house, you know. And they'll, they'll say something crass. They'll say something, oh, my old lady kicked me out. I got to go to another house. Well, there's so much wrong with that statement. I just, you know, don't, first of all, men, don't ever call your wife an old lady. Don't do that. It's not wise. Uh, second of all, if that's, if that's somebody that you're around, could, could you do something? Hey, hey, brother, can I help you move? I, I'd like to be there for you. Well, pastor, I want, you, don't, you don't remember. I want to punch this guy. Yeah, that's your flesh talking. But the Spirit of God is calling you to serve and to love and to care and to honor and to respect. Why? Because because his or her life is important to God. It matters to God and should matter to you. Don't live your life trying to avoid people who don't know Jesus. Invest your life in people who don't know Jesus and connect with them on that level. If if you get nothing else, you you just got a rich load of Bible Right there. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't try to avoid non-believers? Where would you and I be? Aren't you glad that Jesus was willing to get messy? Aren't you glad? And we are to reflect Jesus Christ in this world today. Now we're going to study the life of Philip. And I'm going to break this down in three different sections with two points each in each section. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you just very, a lot of application here, how to live a life 
of an evangelist or how to live a life pointing people to Jesus Christ. Acts chapter eight, verse four is where we're going to start. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. There was this great joy in that city. Write this down, number two, speak up. For, we, we covered this last week. We covered it last week, so I'm not going to go very far into this, but, but New Song, we've got to speak up. We have to use our words. Last week we said the, the quote from St. Francis Assisi, something that he never actually said at all, something credited to him that he never actually said was preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. It's just from the devil. Because nobody comes to Christ because of your life. They, 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 nobody, nobody, nobody gets saved because of your life. They get saved because of Jesus' death. And they need to know about Jesus' death. And they need to know about Jesus' resurrection from the dead. They need to know the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So we have to speak up. The Bible says we have to be ready to give an answer for the faith that we have, for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We have to be ready to give an answer for that. And the Holy Spirit is going to create opportunities for you to speak up. But you need to speak up. You have to speak up. Up In verse 4, he says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Remember last week we said, go into all the world. Remember the Great Commission, go into all the world. That, that word go really means as you go or just as you live your life. Well, watch this. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You would say, well, pastor, I'm just not called to be a preacher. Nobody's saying you are. Nobody is saying you are. But you are called to preach. Because that word preached in this, in this verse is, in the Greek, it's euangelizo, euangelizo. And it means to tell the good news, to tell the good news. That you just live your life telling the good news of Jesus. You live your life in all the relationships you have. There should, be, there should be nobody in your world that doesn't know you're a Christian. Like it should just be common knowledge in your world that you're a Christian. That everybody around you, everybody at work, everybody in your family, they just know, oh, I know Johnny, he's a Christian. Oh, I know Susie, she's a Christian. They should just know. Why? Because you live a life proclaiming, telling the good news of Jesus. That you live your life unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. People need to know that you're a Christian. If they don't know that you're a Christian, something's wrong with you. <laughs> Not with them. Something's wrong with you. You need, you need to, to be living a life that shows the love of Christ, not only in your actions, but in your words and in your heart. So, so wherever I am, wherever I am, whoever I'm talking to, I'm, I change the phrasing to make sure that they know that I'm pointing them to Jesus. So if somebody's sick, well, I'm not feeling very good. Well, instead of saying, hey, get better soon, hope you get better. It's, hey, I'm praying for you. In fact, a lot of times I'll say, can I pray for you right now? Well, pastor, you can do that because you're a pastor. Hey, I do that with people I, that don't even know I'm a pastor. They just know I'm a Christian. But I'll just say, hey, can I pray for you? And sometimes I'll say, yeah, not right now. Okay, well, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you in private then. I'm, 
Every day, I'm going to call your name to, to God. I'm, I'm praying for you. They need to know. You need to step out. When you're sending a card, if somebody is sick and you're sending them a get well card, can I tell you something? Send a card that, that points them to Jesus. And write in there a little note that points them to Jesus. Hey, I'm praying for you. Let them know. Speak up. Speak up. You've got to use your words. You've got to use your words. Number three, truly love others, even if it gets uncomfortable. So this is huge. So Philip, the followers of Christ, they've scattered. They're telling everybody they know about Jesus. Jesus went down to the city in Samaria, proclaimed Jesus. The crowds were there. They heard the message of Jesus. They saw all of these miraculous signs. And part of the miraculous signs they saw is in verse 7. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Can I tell you something? That gets a little bit uncomfortable for a lot of people. And a lot of people, oh, pastor, I hope that never happens to me. I don't want to be around any of that stuff. I don't like that stuff. Well, can I tell you, nobody likes the works of the devil unless they're associated with the devil. Boy, I could say something here. Can I, can I tell you something? You need to be careful about what you watch. We don't celebrate the things of the devil. If you're a Christian, you should not be entertained by the things of the devil. And I'm talking about demonic movies, horror movies, things like that. That should not be entertaining to you because the enemy is very, very real. And there are people who are possessed. And it, you say, well, pastor, I'd rather never be around that. That's okay. I don't like being around it either. Some, every now and then I am. But I want to tell you something about that. First of all, we are children of God. We have nothing to be scared of. We have authority in Christ Jesus. When I, if I'm around situations in which people have, are very much just oppressed or possessed by the devil, can I tell you something? I'm not scared. Why? Because I, I know greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I'm a child of God. I have the authority of God in my life. I have the covering of God over my life. I'm not worried. In fact, I, in fact that's, when, that's the point where you rise up as a, as a man or a woman of faith and you start declaring the things of God. And odds are you'll never find yourself in that situation. Odds are you'll never find yourself there. But if you ever do, just know who you are in Christ. You need to know who you are in Christ. But I will say this, you'll probably never find yourself in that situation like Philip did, but you will find yourself in messy situations. You'll find yourself around people who have very messed up lives, and there's going to be some things that make you uncomfortable. But if you truly love somebody, if you truly love somebody, you're going to be willing to hang with them, to stay with them, to pray for them, to love them, even if it costs you your comfort. That there is going to be some... some some tensions in their life that you need to be a part of, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. But we, if we truly love others, we're going to be there for them and with them. It's going to cost you something. You know, um, and again, it, odds are, odds are, it'll never be around demon possession. Odds are. You'll, you'll never hear shrieks of, of, as impure spirits come out and, 
You'll probably never be around that. But God will show you some things. And it's going to cause you to work. It's going to cause you to, to serve. It's going to cause you to be inconvenienced. And you have to be willing to do that for the sake of somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Here's a great example of that. You know, my, my, my wife and I, uh, well, in fact, this, this is, we, we have, we've always taught our kids to serve and to love and care. And we put our children in situations that, we purposely put our children in situations that were uncomfortable. And we did it for a reason. So when they were younger at Christmas times, we, we used to, not because the church did this, but just we did this as a family. We used to buy like chapsticks or little flannel blankets or, you know, those little fleece blankets for five bucks each at Menards type of deal. We'd just buy a bunch of stuff and we would take our children to nursing homes and we would just go room to room to room in nursing homes and have our children pass out Christmas gifts to all of the residents at nursing facilities. And, and our, kids, our kids grew to love it but not at first. It made them very uncomfortable at first. They, 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 they were, you know, shy. And at, they got to this point that they started talking about the residents of these nursing facilities. And, oh, I love so-and-so. So-and-so gave me a hug. And, and I'm like, yeah, I was around so-and-so. And so-and-so smelled like urine, you know? You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Come on. I'm just talking about getting messy with people, being uncomfortable. And my children grew to love the elderly grew to love people with special needs. They just grew because we placed them in, in moments in which they were uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. We were training them. There, there was one time that uh, I, I was, this is when we were at our last location um, on, on Kingston, the old ugly storefront. And I, I was driving home and I was going down Pennsylvania and there was a, an, an elderly woman. Uh, she was sitting in, in a, a flower bed in front of her house and a bunch of river rock was around her and it was all torn apart. And I thought, what in the world is that lady doing? She's too old to do that. Then I stop and I, I say, ma'am, do you need some help? No, 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 no. I got this. I got this. I'll just, I just stop when I'm tired. And you know, I, I said, you know, I, I want you to know, ma'am, first of all, I'm, I'm the pastor at New Song. So I'm, I'm not some weirdo. And although you might think so, I don't know if she didn't though. Thankfully she thought I was fine. I said, I'm the pastor of New Song. I said, I, I want to go get my wife and my children. We're going to come back here and do this for you. No, 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 no. I said, well, this isn't an option. We're just going to do it. So I go home and I get all these tools and I get my kids and my wife. And we all go back to her house. And for several hours, we just served her. and We did all the work. We pulled out all the rock and sifted it and planted new plants there. And we just made it look perfect. And at the end, she's tried to pay us. We're like, no, no, we don't, we don't want anything. We just want you to know that God loves you. And, and that, that he cares for you so much so that, that he, he put this on our heart to do this for you. And we just loved on her. Well, t just a few days later, Paul Spasik, who was on staff at the, at the time, he's retired now, but Paul, St Paul Spasik is one of my dearest friends. He's such a, a wonderful man of God. He came to me a few days later here in the office, and he said, Justin, you're not going to believe this. He said, that lady, that you did, he said, did you stop by and do this for so-and-so? I said, yeah, I, I forgot her name, but yeah, that, that's her. He said, my wife and I have been sharing the gospel with her for a long, long time now, and that meant the world to her. I'm telling you, you helped us. You helped us in reaching her with the good news of Jesus. Thank you for doing that. How many know that, that God will whisper to you? He'll, he'll talk to you, but you gotta be willing to be uncomfortable. You gotta be willing to get dirty. You've gotta be willing to give up some of your time and give up some of your conveniences for the sake of the gospel, everybody. You have to. It's the call of God. It's the call of God. Odds are you're not going to see demon-possessed people, but you'll see people in need. 
you'll see people who are living their life in a mess. And you got to truly love others, even if it gets, can I tell you something else? It's so great. I'm going to anyway. Uh, do, you know, do you know how many times my wife has come up to me? And I mean, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of times. It just happened multiple times over this past few weeks where she, she says this phrase, Justin, check my head, check my head. And that means I've been hugging some people that I don't know what's in their hair. And I don't want those things in my hair. Now, for all of us who are losing our hair, <laughs> we don't really care. It's like, yeah, nothing to lose here. But every time my wife comes home, she says, you know, from these trips, check my head. When we're on these trips, hey, Justin, check my head. Check my head. Check my head. I said, babe, you just hugged that person an hour ago. I highly doubt that I could see anything right now anyway. You know, it, like it takes some time for those things to develop. And check my head. Check my head. Check my head. Because sometimes you're going to be put in places that, that, are, uh, that, that people, people are suffering. When she came back from a, from a mission trip, and I don't know if this is going to help you go on mission trips or not, but she came back from a mission trip. She said, she said Justin, I was so, she doesn't call me pastor, trust me. She doesn't. <laughs> she said, Justin, I was so nervous because this little girl came in and we couldn't get this thermometer to work. And, and so I'm, I'm just, you know, hands on and trying to help. And I, I have this little roll on thermometer that kind of rolls on their head and it wasn't working for her. So I put it on my head and, and, and finally got this thermometer to work. And then she asked this little girl, what are you here for? And she said it was scabies. And she, you know, she was using hand sanitizer and wipes all day long. <laughs> Justin, check my head, you know, just check, check my head. I, I can't tell you the number of times that, that, that we've went home after a Sunday morning that we went home and my wife said, here, check my head. Because there, there was a lady that came here to church for a long, long time, for many years. And she's very poor, very poor. And um, like one of those living at the, the hotel type of thing. Uh, homeless, for the most part, just living at a local hotel. And, and, uh, and we knew very well that the infestation of bed bugs and lice. And she would always want hugs from us. And we, we would give her hugs, but we would just kind of keep our head away, you know. And one week she came in and her hair was just, maybe you remember this if you hear that. It was a long time ago now, but she had her hair, just head was totally shaved because of all of the issues that she was having. And I can't tell you how many times alone that my wife told me to check my head just because of that one lady that attended New Song. And if you're like leaning forward because you don't want your hair to touch on the, she's, she doesn't go to church, you know, she's, she moved. So don't worry about it. All right. You're safe. You're safe is what I'm saying. But I'm telling you something, I'm telling you something, it's going to cause you to be uncomfortable sometimes, the cause of Christ. It's going to cause you to be uncomfortable in multiple different ways. And you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You have to truly love people, even when it's uncomfortable. Acts 8, 26. Am I helping anybody today? Come on, everybody. This is, this is good stuff. We need to love people, truly love people. Acts 8, 26, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Let me stop right there and say this before we go any further, that, that, that Philip is in a location in which a, a revival is hitting. I'm telling you, people are coming to Christ left and right. Miracles are happening. And you think, well, that doesn't make sense for, for Philip to leave that area to go on a desert road. In fact, there was one of two roads that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he went on the one that was the most deserted, the most arid, the most hot. There's no vegetation. I've been there before, and it's a rough road, everybody. 
And you would think, why would, why would God take Philip out of the crowd where he's making this huge difference and send him to somebody he's about to send him to to send him to the one? How many know that God is, is concerned about the one? That in fact, the, the good shepherd leaves 99 sheep to go find and rescue the one that got away. How many are grateful that God went and found you? And so, so God had somebody that, that was asking questions out in the middle of the desert. He said, Philip, I need you to go. And I was wondering about this. Why Philip? If Philip was having such a divine moment and a divine revival in the city that he was in, can I, can I tell you something? That Maybe ask this as a question. Maybe Philip was the only one willing to listen to the voice of the Spirit. Maybe Philip was the only one in tune with God so much that God said, you know what? Nobody else is listening to me, but I know Philip will. Hey, Philip, I need you to go. Just leave that. I know you're making a difference there, but I need you to come and go on this road, this specific road, because I have something for you to do. Verse 27, so he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So most theologians believe he's this uh, Jewish proselyte. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to that chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So number four, write this down. You've got to listen to the whispers of God. Again, this is one of the things that if you don't get much out of this sermon at all, get this one because it's important. Listen to the whispers of God, the whispers of God. Verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go down this certain road. And then again in verse, uh, what is it? Verse 29, the, the spirit told Philip, now you see that chariot, go to that chariot and just stay near it. And the Bible records that Philip actually ran to the chariot. Now the spirit of the Lord just told Philip to go. And Philip said, I'm going right now. Like he took, he took the spirit's leading with urgency. He heard the whisper of God and he took it with urgency. But let me say this, everybody. We, we see this in, in um, the book of, of uh, Kings, I believe it's 1 Kings 19. That there was an earthquake and there, there were these big things happening, but he says the voice of the Lord was actually a still, small voice. Can I tell you, most of the time in your life, when you hear the voice of God, it's going to be in a whisper. And what I mean by that, it's going to, it's going to be soft. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be subtle. It's going to be a thought that comes out of nowhere. It's going to be, a whisper. It's just going to be a whisper. And you're going to have this idea. I need to go talk to them. I, I need to call them. I need to pray for them. I need to go here. I need to do that. And you say, well, well, pastor though, how do I know if that's God or not? How do I know if that's God? I don't know. Maybe it's not God, so I'm not going to do it. Can I, can I tell you something? Here's the greatest way to address the whispers of God. 
If you have this thought and it involves serving somebody or caring for somebody or praying with somebody or talking to somebody about Jesus, ask yourself this question. When you ask yourself, I don't know, is that God or not? I don't know. Ask yourself this. Would the devil tell me to do it? Would the devil ask me to do it? Would the devil ask me to do it? There's somebody in this room right now, and I'm not going to tell you who this is, but as soon as I say this, they're going to know who it is. And, and so I don't want to embarrass them. But, but quite a while ago, my wife and I were eating at a restaurant, and I just heard a whisper of God to, 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 to pay for somebody's meal and just invite them to, to new song. And they're sitting here in this room this morning. And um, I'll tell you, it was a God moment. It was a God moment. And, and, and this person, I'm, I love this person very much, and I'm so glad they're here today. Would the devil have told me to do that? Hey, listen, I want you to go love somebody in the name of Jesus. Would the devil tell you to do that? Can I tell you something? Sometimes we question the whispers of God as, as if it might be the devil telling you to be generous or to be loving or to be servant-hearted or, or to go pull some rocks out of a rock bed for, for, for a woman who shouldn't be doing that on her own. Come on, everybody. Would the devil tell you to do it? And if you say, no, the devil wouldn't tell me to do that. Okay, you probably need to do it then. You probably need to do it. Can I tell you something? Um, I always keep extra money in my wallet because I don't know when the Spirit of the Lord is going to ask me to give it to somebody. I can't tell you how many meals I've paid for. I can't tell you how many very large tips that I left somebody. But I, just, I just did it in the name of Christ. I, I just, and I let them know that, hey, I want you to know that Christ loves you, that Jesus loves you. And if, if you're in need of him, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I, I have, I've done that so many times, everybody, because, because I'm always thinking about lost people. I'm always thinking about people who don't know Jesus. I can't go anywhere without thinking about lost people. It's on my heart all the time. And when, when the Lord whispers to me, I try my best not just to answer it, but to answer it with urgency. Philip heard the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord said, hey, go to that chariot. And Philip ran there. I'm not questioning. It's with urgency that we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. This is great preaching, by the way. But urgency, urgency. If the Lord tells you to do something, just get up and do it and do it in love. You know, I've never had anybody get mad at me by serving them. I've never had anybody get mad at me by, by giving them a large tip or by paying for their meal or, or, or by helping them load things up. Did you know? There, and I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't mean to build myself up here whatsoever. I'm just giving you, it just comes naturally for me. Can I tell you, it's just a spiritual gift that I have. And it's a grace gift from God. That there have been lots of times where I've just seen people in need and I just pull over the, the side of the road or I just go to where they are and I just serve them and I just love them. And I just do it in the name of Christ. I just, I just do it in the name of Jesus. I just do it in love. Not expecting anything in return. It's the whispers of God. The next one. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. Verse 27, it says, So he met this Ethiopian eunuch, and was, he was a very important official in the treasury. And a lot of times we are intimidated by people who aren't like us. Can I tell you, don't live your life in fear. Never be intimidated by anybody. 
I've just lived my life knowing that greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. So I, I am not easily intimidated. In fact, I don't remember the last time I was intimidated by anybody. And, and, and it's not cockiness. It's not pride. It's just knowing who I am in Christ and knowing that, that God is my protector and that God is going to prepare ways ahead of me. And I have to trust that the Holy Spirit is stirring the heart of somebody else before I ever even arrive. So one time I was at Cole's. And there's a dude, there's a dude in Coles. He had to be six foot eight, 400 pounds. Maybe you've heard this story before. As I've told it several years ago, this guy was a big dude. He was no doubt at least six, eight, huge man, but not much fat. It was a lot of muscle. And he, he was an older guy. It wasn't like he played for Notre Dame or something like that. It wasn't like he was a, I mean, he probably used to be a football player, but he wasn't now. And, and I just heard a whisper from the Lord. And I just went up to him and started the conversation with him. And, and he was shocked. And the guy was so nice. And I talked to him about his purpose in life and about his calling. He said, you know, I think I was called to the Lord one time. I said, brother, it's not too late. I said, are you in right relationship with the Lord? He admitted. He said, no, I'm not. I said, this is a God moment. In the middle of coals, just because I heard a whisper from the Lord, and then I choose not to live in fear. What are you missing out on because you're driven by fear instead of faith? Come on, what are you missing out on? What, what conversations are you missing out on pointing people to Jesus because you're living in fear instead of in faith? See, I just trust the one who calls me, that he's going to stir people's hearts before I ever get there. And I've never been punched once, everybody, not once. In fact, I don't even remember anybody getting mad at me. I've had a few people cut the conversation short. That's okay. I can take that. I'm an adult. And I'd probably never see him again anyway. Don't let intimidation into your life. Don't let fear into your life. Just love Christ. And love others. The poorest of the poor. To the wealthiest. To the non-working. To the hardworking. To the meticulous. And to those who are very unlovely, don't live in fear. Live in faith. We'll end with this, Acts 8.34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or somebody else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, Here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing so much in that. That's unreal. I wish I had time to unpack it, but I have four minutes left. Everybody pray for me. Number six, write this down. Ask great questions and use the Bible. Ask great questions and use the Bible. I want you to notice Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And he says, he asked, do you understand what you're reading? He asks the question. And the guy says, listen, I, I don't understand actually. And Philip verse 35 began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He just asked questions and he used the Bible. So first of all, you need to know your Bible. You need to know your Bible. Let me say that again. You need to know your Bible. Well, pastor, I, I, don't, 
I don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus. You need to know your Bible. You need to know in very plain form, you need to be able to say it to somebody in the simplest of forms, listen, sin has separated you from God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You don't have to live in fear of death. In fact, Jesus made a way for you to be in heaven with our heavenly father. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus, they're saved, eternally saved. And if you haven't done that, you need to. See, I just did that in about 20 seconds. I just gave you the good news in about 20 seconds. You're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you need to know your Bible. You need to know your Bible. And you need to be able to answer questions that people would have. So ask great questions. Well, I don't know how to get a a conversation started. Ask great questions. Connect with them at their level. So so whoever I'm, I'm sharing Christ with, I just have the ability to connect with them at their level. And I do that by asking questions. I just keep asking questions until I find something in common. And then I just stay right there. I just, that, I just, that's just my area for a little while until I, until I find a place to point them to Jesus. You need to ask great questions and you have to know your Bible. You have to know your Bible. If I were to tell you, hey, listen, there's somebody in the, in the next room over. In fact, I have somebody waiting for you right now in the kitchen that don't know Jesus, but they're ready to come. The spirit of the Lord has been stirring their heart and they're ready to come to Jesus. So I want you to go in that room and lead them to Jesus. Would you know how to do that? Would you know how to do that? You need to. You need to. Maybe I'll, I might extend this one more week because I'm seeing a lot of faces saying, I don't know if I know how to do that. I might take part of next week to teach you how. Because that's important. It's important that you know. The last one. You've got to trust God to do the miraculous. The Holy Spirit is already working in others before you ever get there. He's already working in others before you ever get there. You have to trust that the Holy Spirit is already working in others before you get there. That man that I, that I got to know in Coles, the, the Spirit of the Lord was already working in his life before I ever got there. I just heard the whisper of God and I took advantage of it. You've got to trust that, listen, everybody, you've got to trust that the Holy Spirit is really good at his job which is drawing men, mankind to Christ Jesus. You have to trust that the Holy Spirit is good at his job, and he is. He's perfect. And if the Lord whispers to you to go have a conversation, to go love, to go serve, to go care for somebody or to pray for somebody, you have to trust that the Holy Spirit has already been working in their life so that when you arrive there, they're going to receive what you have to give them. That they're going to receive the love and the care and the service and the prayer and the fact that you're pointing them to Jesus, that they're ready to receive that. You just got to trust the Holy Spirit. You've got to trust the Holy Spirit. I want us to live for the glory of Jesus. I want us to live for the glory of his name. Mediocre Christians, lukewarm Christians, don't, don't feel it necessary to share their faith. They're not concerned about that. But let that never be said of us, that we're lukewarm, that we're mediocre. Let us live our lives for the fame of Jesus Christ. Not ours, not not ours. Psalmist says, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be glory. We want to just glorify his name and build 
his kingdom, to expand his kingdom in the earth. Would you stand up with me? Let's just bow our heads in prayer just for a moment. I know this is a lot of application, but what we're going to do is just kind of seal this moment with a prayer. As we often do, would you open up your hands toward heaven just as an act of, of humility, an act of adoration, an act of commitment when we pray. Father, we want to live for the glory of your name. And I'm asking you, Personally, So new song, go ahead and ask him this in your own way. Father, would you use me? Use me to tell other people about your son, Jesus. Speak to me. And let me obey with urgency. Help me to obey quickly. To take advantage of that opportunity. To share the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, use me to invite people into your kingdom, into the family of God. I understand that your plan to reach this world is by using your church. And that means me. Your plan is to use me. And I want to be used. So today I I reject any fear, any intimidation that I was feeling before. I reject mediocrity. I reject the lies of the enemy that says I'm not qualified. And today I choose to live for the glory of your name. I choose to point other people to you. Give me a desire like I've never had before that everywhere I go, to whomever I speak, that I would always be thinking, always be questioning, always be wondering if they know Jesus. Help me to think that thought every day, every moment for the rest of my life so that I can be used in a way that glorifies you and that rescues people from an eternal hell. Use me. Use me, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Be sure to be here next Sunday morning. I love you guys. I'm so proud of you. Let's make a difference for the glory of his name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.